Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood, and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came too little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beasts, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the heart of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit and the remnant of the people. And the Lord came and worked on the house of the Lord, their host, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning in awe and wonder at everything you have done in our lives and within the life of your church. We come to you this morning grateful that you have given us a place where we can worship you and sing your praises and listen to the word preached. Lord, I pray for our pastor and his family during this time. I ask that you provide quick healing and recovery. Use us during this time to bless our pastor and to bless his family. Lord, I also ask that as we dive into your word, you would change our hearts and our attitude towards worship. I ask that you be merciful towards me today as you preach your word. Most of all, Lord, I pray that your glory is revealed to us and we would respond by not just singing the words, my God, how great thou art, but by truly believing in your Son. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You guys may take a seat. So this morning, if you are note takers, we're going to have five points. Now to provide us a, with a better understanding of the book of Haggai, it is vital to understand some history concerning the, uh, the destruction and the rebuilding of the temple. So the Temple of Solomon was constructed around 966 BC. After the death of King Solomon, the kingdom split into a northern and a southern kingdom, Israel and Judah, roughly in 930 BC. Now the Syrian Empire captured Israel in 722 BC. Babylon captures nobles in Judah in 606 BC. Roughly 20 years later, Babel annihilated the temple in 586 BC. And Cyrus, the Persian king, allowed 50,000 to return to Judah 
in 538 BC. Now, the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple starts in 536 BC. And then we get to the second year of King Darius in the sixth month on the first day of the month. Now, the background of Haggai, for those who want to go later and read, can be found in the book of Ezra, chapters 1 through 4. Now, Haggai is split into four oracles, four or five oracles, depending on how you want to separate the messages. But the first one that we're going to, to read about begins on August 29th, 520 BC, according to the Judean calendar. So our first point this morning is going to be hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Starting uh, just in verse 1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. We don't know much about Haggai. The name means either festival or festive. Now, throughout the book of Haggai, which really short book, it's only two chapters, it spans over 38 verses, Haggai is calling the people to restore the house of the Lord. Now, we have the word, come to governor of Judah, Zerubbabel, and to Joshua, who's the high priest. Zerubbabel is a descendant of the Davidic line who was appointed governor under Persian rule. Now we also, the word coming, is coming to Joshua, who is the high priest, is considered, the, is considered to be responsible for the religious matters of the day. Now remember I said that the temple started to be rebuilt in 536 B.C. This is nearly 16 years later. It still has not been finished. Now Ezra chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 tell us, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purposes. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now because of the religious discrimination that is going on between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews were afraid to rebuild the temple, to finish the work that they have started. Now, it's not until the reign of King Darius that the temple is going to be rebuilt. See, the word of the Lord comes to a political leader and also to the religious leader of the day. And we see throughout the prophet of, throughout the prophet of Haggai, the Lord is telling them to rebuild the temple. Now, where the Lord speaks in Scripture, we must listen the specific date mentions here points really to the beauty of the Lord continuing to preserve His Word. Right? The Lord continues to use His Word to change the hearts of His people, and He continues to use His Word to draw people to Himself. Matthew 24, 35 tell us, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass. We can have confidence that the Lord uses the Bible, and that the Bible is true and trustworthy. The Bible reveals to us what we ought to believe about the Lord and what God requires of us. So really just while we move through Haggai, just think of the importance of, of worship. Within the first chapter of Haggai, Haggai is where the Lord through Haggai is trying to teach us the importance and the beauty of worship. Point one was very, very short. I'm going to move into the second point here. Second point is check your attitude towards worship. 
Check your attitude towards worship. Verses 2 through 6 in Haggai. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you to yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The people were claiming that this is not the right time to rebuild the temple. The temple, again, started to, re- to be rebuilt 16 years ago but it still is not yet finished. People, they make excuses and say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. See, Yahweh is pointing out that that they desire their livelihoods over the worship of God. The Lord tells them to consider their ways. Why is it that you work hard and you have little food? You eat and you're still hungry. You drink and you never have enough. You work hard, but you don't have enough money. Now, no doubt that people of Haggai are experiencing economic hardship. You know a little bit about history. During this time, the Persian army is making preparations for an attack on Egypt. And also, the language suggests in Haggai that not only is this attack or this army being built up, but they're also, this is also during the time of harvest. So they're struggling to take care of themselves and to provide for their families. These difficulties of having to work hard and not having enough should remind us of the curse given to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. After Adam and Eve disobeyed, a curse was given to Eve. And the curse to Eve was saying, uh, sorry, the curse of Eve saying, I will greatly multiply your pain and in conception, and in pain you will bear children. Then in Genesis verse 3, starting in, or sorry, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 17, we read, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I command you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We'll take a moment and guys turn to the book of Deuteronomy going to be looking at Deuteronomy 28. And as you turn there, Deuteronomy 28 is split into two major categories. The first, we read about blessings for obedience, for obeying the Lord. And the second part of Deuteronomy is curses for disobedience, for not obeying the Lord. Now the promise for the blessings and curses were given to national Israel at this specific time. God created a covenant with national Israel to preserve the nation until the promised Messiah comes. Now, I don't want us to read the promises and the curses given here and assume that they apply to our everyday lives. And that if we just were to obey and worship the Lord, we will have these same blessings or these same curses. Just a warning there. So Deuteronomy 28. So the blessings that were given here are found 
that we're going to read about here are, these blessings for us are found in the completed work of Jesus Christ. So Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. We read, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruits of your room, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and of the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now through Moses, Yahweh told the people that if they faithfully obey him, they will have these blessings. Now because of the curse of Adam, we do have a physical curse and a duty to work for our food. But Yahweh says that if you obey my word, not only will the fruit of your fields be prosperous, but also will the fruit of your womb. Now to contrast these blessings and these curses given to us in Deuteronomy 28, skip down just a few verses to verse 15. Deuteronomy 15, I'm going to read verses 15 through 19. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall, be, cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. If you're not obeying the Lord, here we're seeing curses will be the fruit of your womb, and cursed will be the fruit of your labor. Now jumping back to Haggai, and just keeping that idea of blessing and curses for obeying and disobeying the Lord, the Lord is speaking to, again, the religious leader and the political leader. Speaking to Joshua and Zerubbabel, they're pointing out that because they have been content with their own lifestyles, they are experiencing these difficulties. Right? The Lord says, while they sit in their paneled houses with four walls and a roof, the temple lies in ruins. He says, consider your ways. The people care more for their own possessions and the earthly things than they do in honoring the Lord. They don't, they don't have an appropriate attitude towards worship. We ought to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. A question I want to ask you today is, what is your attitude towards worship? Consider your ways. Do you look forward to the corporate gathering of the Lord and His people? Are you involved in the life of other believers? Are you praying for our elders and for our deacons? The announcement comes out every week prior to start of service on Sunday. Are you studying the passage? Are you asking questions? Are you engaging with a text that is ought to be preached? that following week. Now, if you're asking, well, what can I do throughout the week? Get involved. Women, there's a D group. Get involved. Men, come to Bible study. Thursday nights, we're going through the book of Isaiah. Get involved. Join a community group. Maybe you need to be the one to actually start a community group and lead a community group. What do you do when you're here on Sunday? 
get involved. Thank you to all the men and women who help us set up every week. These curtains, the sound equipment does not happen on its own. Come early, join us for a growth class. Sing and sing loud, sing terribly, but worship the Lord, sing. If you're not a member yet, I encourage you to talk to our elders about becoming a member. Get involved with our local church. Moving on to our third point. Obey the Lord so He will be glorified. Obey the Lord so He will be glorified. Haggai chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Again, this is the second time the Lord is telling Joshua and Zerubbabel, consider your ways. Similarly to our everyday literature, when a phrase is repeated, there ought to be some importance drawn to that. We should be thinking about that. The Lord is revealing their sins to them. The people should be ashamed of what they have done. They have not taken the worship of the Lord seriously, and they have sinned against God who is full of glory and majesty. Now, even more important than this repetition of the phrase, consider your ways, there's another repetition that we see in in Haggai, uh, both chapters. We see this, the Lord claiming who He is. He is claiming Lord of hosts. It's used five times just within chapter 1 of Haggai. We saw it in verses 2 and 4. We're seeing it now in verses 5, and we see it again in verses 9 through 14. The Lord is declaring His majesty and His glory over all of creation. Amos Amos chapter 4, verses 13, the similar language is used. This Lord of hosts. Amos 4, 13 For behold, he who forms the mountain and creates the wind, and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. Yahweh, the God of hosts, is his name. Who forms, who declares, who makes and treads. These are all adjectives that we'd use to describe a king. However, the Lord is using these adjectives in Amos 4.13 to describe himself. When Yahweh declares that he is Lord of hosts, he's declaring he's a better leader and a superior governor than Joshua and Zerubbabel. He proclaims that he is the great king who can carry out these blessings and these curses that we read about in Deuteronomy 28. So now we have this great king telling these leaders to consider your ways. After the Lord tells them to consider their ways, there comes three commands that are given. These commands to go, to build, to gather. Ironically, we know these people are already working hard. They're working hard and their life is hard. Now the Lord is telling them to do more work. These commands to go, to gather wood, and to rebuild the temple, this is a call towards repentance. The Lord wants his temple to be built so that he can be worshipped accordingly. Pastor Travis asked this question last week. It's a catechism question, so if you know it, go ahead and shout out the answer. But the question is, what is the chief end of man? Glorify God. Thanks, Russ. 
Let's glorify God and enjoy Him forever. By repenting of their sins and having this temple rebuilt, the people can continue to fulfill their duty, to fill the duty to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This is the heart of worship. This is why we come to church on Sundays. And, and, do, and while we're doing, conducting our service, we read the Word, we listen to the preaching of the Word, we sing, we proclaim the Word, we take of the fruits of the elements of the Word. So when we worship, we are glorifying God. And when we glorify Him, we find satisfaction in Him. This is our fourth point. We're going to move us into our fourth point. Remember the power of the Lord. Remember the power of the Lord. Haggai chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You looked for much, and behold, it came too little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beasts and on all their labors. I hope you can hear this conviction that the Lord is giving when we, these passages are read. Again, Yahweh is once again affirming His power and reiterating the consequences of obeying Him or not. Think back to Deuteronomy 28. They wanted a big harvest. They wanted safety and provisions during this time, this time of war and this time of harvest. The Lord has revealed to them why they're struggling. See, their priorities are not set towards the worship and honor of the Lord. And they're actively disobeying Him and not building the temple. See, the Lord is telling them, I'm going to hold back. I am the reason you don't have enough food. I'm the reason you don't have enough money. I'm the reason why you're struggling. So remember the power of our God. The Lord, He gives and the Lord takes away. And our earthly desires will never bring us complete satisfaction. See, but when we honor the Lord and our desires are to glorify Him and to come to Him in complete surrender, there's a blessing. But this blessing is a blessing eternally. This moves us into our fifth point. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Just because Pastor Travis isn't here, don't think you're not going to get a sermon point of believe in Jesus. <laughs> believe in Jesus. Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as their Lord had God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And Yahweh stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Lord stirred up his people. And in response, the people obeyed and they started this rebuilding of the temple. 
Remember, 16 years prior, the temple had begun, but it was never rebuilt. It was never completed. Now, the Lord is stirring up His people again, and three weeks later, after the commands to go, to gather, to build, the temple begins construction once again. Notice the message to the Lord, or notice the, the message to the people from the Lord. I am with you. As the people repented of their sins and they obeyed the command of the Lord to rebuild, we see the gracious character of God. The Lord has already exposed their sin to them. He reminds them why they're struggling. And He works in the hearts of His people. After the Lord stirred up their hearts, they went to work and they started to rebuild. Now, the temple was eventually finished 70 years after it was destroyed. And this, this, the Lord, He comforts and provides blessings for His people. While the temple is being constructed, God's speaking through Haggai again. And this is going to move us a little bit in, into chapter 2 here. But currently, when the temple is being rebuilt, God speaks through Haggai. And He's telling them to be strong, to keep working. Back in Ezra, again, chapters 1 through 4, you'll read about this persecution that, was, that they were presented with while the temple was being rebuilt. God tells them to be strong, to keep working. He tells them, I am, I am with you. And the Lord promises a future promise, a better promise. And if we read, just skip down just a little bit, the Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, we read, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The temple is filled with the glory of God. Just remember how Moses in Exodus was not able to enter the temple because of the glory of the Lord was too great. This, the cloud of glory is, is described to us in Exodus. Now this type of glory, for Moses to be able, unable to enter in, should be anticipated once again. We read here in verse 9 of chapter 2, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Church, please don't miss this point. If you ignore everything that I have just said, listen to this. The, this latter glory that is, that is mentioned cannot be recognized unless we realize that this promise given here is to our coming Messiah. Throughout the, through the person of Jesus Christ, we see this greatest manifestation of God's glory. In John 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1, four, uh, verse 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. Glory has the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This glory... That is, talking, that is being talked about here and mentioned through Haggai in chapter 2, verse 9. Jesus Christ is that glory. See, the temple that was built in Haggai's day was different than Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was much larger. So they laid the foundation. These people realized that this is not what they thought it would be. Solomon's temple was larger. This is a small temple. But through Haggai telling us that this former glory is not going to be as good as the latter glory, the, the glory to come. So then the question you have to ask yourself is, well, how can the latter glory be greater than the former? 
See, Haggai's temple, after it was constructed, this is the same temple that the Son of Man walked in. Christ was physically present in this temple. Instead of the glory being revealed to us in a form of cloud back in Exodus, this glory was revealed in the completed work of Jesus Christ. The temple, the church, ought to be a place full of glory. When we come to worship and we gather, we ought to show reverence and honor to a glorious king. We seek out Christ because he is the one who the scriptures point us to. Think in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Malachi was written shortly after the, the temple of the sorry, the Haggai temple was completed. In Malachi 3:1, we read, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says, Again, the Lord of hosts. Malachi wrote after this completed temple. We read of Malachi the prophet telling us that the Lord is going to his temple. He's going to come. And we worship the Lord to glorify him. That's why we come to church. Now again, consider your ways. Is your desire focused more on your personal well-being than the well-being of the bride of Christ? Do you give Christ the honor and glory that he demands? Are you neglecting the church and God's people? Just like God calls his people to repentance, he calls us also to repent of our sins. Consider your ways. See, remember when the people repented, God tells them that he is with them and he promises peace. The peace that is promised to come is promised through Jesus Christ. Christ is coming. Or Christ has come, sorry, and the glory of peace extends to all who put their faith and trust in the Lord. If you are not a believer this morning, do not be like Joshua and Zerubbabel and the people and make excuses. Do not say that the time has not yet come to worship the Lord and give him honor and glory. Come to Christ today. Corey read to us Romans 10, and in verse 13, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Now, Christians, this does not just apply to unbelievers. Right? We still, every day, we still need to seek Christ and listen to his word preached. We need to check our attitude towards worship. Throughout the week, we need to be preparing our hearts to come to church on Sunday and worship the Lord in honor and glory. Now, our desires ought to be to obey the Lord and do all that He commands us. So just remember, our God is powerful. Right? We need to check our attitudes towards worship. Remember that the Lord is holy. Remember that He is powerful. Now he's in control of all that happens. Believe in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, thank you this morning for the opportunity to preach your word. I'm so thankful that we have the ability to worship you by reading your word and to worship you in song. 
Lord, I pray that hearts are changed and that we will set our minds towards heavenly things, not of earthly things. In the midst of difficulties around us, Lord, I ask that you will be merciful to us and draw us closer to you. Lord, I also pray for Pastor Travis and his wife. Just be with them. Show them mercy, Lord. Be gracious to them. Provide healing. In your precious name we pray. Amen.